to Fidget, a BFRB podcast. Hello, everyone. Thank you again for joining us on an episode of Fidget for our guest today. She comes to us from Calgary, Alberta, and is a mental health advocate, animal rights advocate, promoter of kafir, and <laughs> maybe more as um, her Instagram artistry, um, art by Ali Mack, Allison Dorant. Dorant. Ah, I messed it up. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's perfect. It's perfect. Hi, Jason and Adele. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I feel so grateful to be here and I'm just, I have so much admiration for everything you do and uh, how you're reaching so many people with BFRBs. So thank you for having me. Oh my goodness, of course. <laughs> for being here, it's such a pleasure. Aww. And I didn't know that you were a, k- a kefir or a kefir. Some people say kefir. I don't actually know which one is correct. Kefir <laughs> advocate. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, Jason just uh, he he just made me the um, I guess the VIP kefir expert today. So I might have to quickly Google some stuff about kefir. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but you know what's so interesting is well, my husband and I we've been trying to just um, have better health habits and eat less in the evening because for both of us that's when we sort of have cravings at night and we watch tv and we'll get into like I don't know just we eat a lot after dinner which we know isn't that healthy mm-hmm. but we started drinking kefir so we're like okay well it's super healthy it's a probiotic it's supposed to be like you have all these active cultures and it's supposed to make you feel full so we're like well let's just have a glass of kefir every night <laughs> and it's, nice. amazing. it's actually nice? it's kind of cool because it yeah it curbs your appetite and then um I uh, I'd recently learned that there's a lot of research going into kefir certain bacteria and the certain live cultures that are really good for mental health and they're looking at that mm-hmm. link between the gut bacteria and then your mental health mm-hmm. and for depression and all sorts of mental health illnesses so I thought well hey <laughs> it's worth yeah. a try Totally. I mean, it's a fun experiment anyways. It is. So, very interesting. So I have, yeah, I have my kefir here just, you know, because, yeah. <laughs> Wait, is it water kefir or milk-based kefir? Cause That's I... a really good question. Yeah, so I... <laughs> <laughs> Let's start a kefir podcast. Yeah, so just backstory. So my husband, um, when I met him, he was vegetarian and I wasn't, but I've become vegetarian after having married him. And long story short, with all the animal advocacy I've been doing, I've been trying to be more mindful about like my diet and what I'm eating and I'm trying to go vegan. And so, yeah, I'm drinking coconut kefir, (laughs) uh, which is amazing. So it's actually really good if you like the flavor of coconut and they're able to make it, yeah, milk-based or coconut-based as far as I know. So. Very much joking, but see, Allison, I think you have a new blossoming career that uh... <laughs> yeah, nutrition for mental health. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Um, but maybe we could start if um, you just wanted to give us an overview intro of of your BFRB and kind of the journey it's taken you on. Yeah, I have had compulsive skin picking or some people call it dermatillomania for years. So definitely over 20 years. I'm sure it started creeping up maybe in childhood, like around the age of 10. I know Adele, you mentioned around the age of eight was sort of when your Mm. trichotillomania had started. 
and then Jason, you later, I think you said 19, um, you're 19. And yeah, for me, it's mm-hmm. almost like I, looking back, I remember it starting uh, when I was quite young, but it really hit after university. So it really started to affect the quality of my life when I just actually finished university, or maybe when I was going through university, some of those stresses just seemed to be a time that it, yeah, it was just very obvious that it was an issue and I needed help with it. And at the time, there wasn't a lot of help with it because, you know, I'm 42 now and I look back and you couldn't really Google it. I was in nursing school at the time and there was very little information or probably not any on it, actually. And uh, for me, my dermatillomania is very much focused on my face, which can be a little challenging, right? Because um, there's so much shame and guilt associated with it. And when it's on your face, it's very obvious. So for me, it really affected my dating life my professional life, my student life, family life, pretty much everything. It was something that, you know, I could only hide to a certain degree. I think, too, um, as a child, I had, uh, I definitely, I, I still have OCD and maybe some perfectionistic tendencies. And I think that kind of plays into, you know, my mom has beautiful, beautiful skin and she's in her 70s now, but people, the public just come up to her randomly and they're like, you have the most gorgeous skin. Like, what do you do? And she could really be like a skin model. And I think it's tricky because I feel like the most challenging thing for me is my skin, my face. Mm -hmm. And so that combination of OCD, a little bit of perfectionism, and yeah, just having that maybe maternal history. Mm. It's tricky. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Does your mom, have you ever talked to your mom about your BFRB? Oh, yeah. So um, my parents are both extremely supportive. But, you know, at the time, I think it's just because it was so misunderstood that, you know, they did the best they could. I think partly there was times they may have even blamed themselves and, you know, felt just this deep want to help me, but not know how, because they could Mm -hmm. see how much pain I was in and how it would affect my quality of life. And, you know, nowadays, it's like, how lucky are we that there's enough information that it's recognized on the diagnostic statistical manual of, you know, the DSM, I think it's what four or five now, but it's like considered Mm. a category of medicine, they're doing more research. And now I can just like print out a handout, right, in addition to like educating people about it, which at the time I wasn't able to do. So yeah, my parents were definitely, they still are so supportive, but it was just that lack of knowing how to help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. I could imagine it where at least from my experiences, like my sister has the longest, most luscious eyelashes. Aww. And it's something that I think subconsciously has always I've always noticed it when people because people Mm -hmm. make comments about it. It's something that stands out and it's amazing. And I'm not envious, but I think when you see other people with characteristics that you that are more difficult to achieve or to to Mm -hmm. experience, it just kind of points them out a little bit more, especially if those people are in your surroundings. So I was just curious if that ever came up in conversation with your mom about like this attribute that she has that is so yeah revered (laughs) yeah yeah as her daughter like I just feel oh I'm so like I yeah like I'm I'm so proud to be her daughter she's such a beautiful human and yeah but there is such um I think society places such a big emphasis well I mean on looks right um think of all the filters with like you know, Instagram and our phones and what people use. I mean, society just places such a big role on skin perfection. And I think, yeah, having, um, having a mom with the most beautiful, you know, 
people coming up to her saying, what do you use on your skin? It's perfect. That Mm. has, again, I'm so happy for her. But yeah, like, you know, internally, I'm like, wow, Mm. I have those genetics. I know I have good genetics to have good skin. But I also have this illness, this uh, dermatillomania that, Mm. you know, it's fighting because I see the imperfections in my skin and I want to fix them. Mm. And it's sort of a trigger sometimes because, yeah, so for me, yeah, it's just very much dermatillomania that's focused on the face. So probably a little bit more, you know, I I know for some people, they struggle with um, many areas of the body. And Mm -hmm. we all sort of, I know, Jason, for you, it's centered around the hands and your fingers. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's just interesting how for some of us, it can be selective, right, to mm-hmm. a certain area. Yeah. And sort of what factors play into that. Mm-hmm. Something that I definitely reflect on with my own kind of relationship with my BFRB is, yeah, this, this tension, I think, you know, Adele and Allison, both of you mentioned is, you know, I think for me, I harbor, I don't know if it's resentment or jealousy or you know, Adele, you threw out this word envious, like, it's this uncomfortable feeling that we have about ourselves, especially with like, you know, our loved ones that in the comparison of kind of what they have and what we don't have, Mm -hmm. I don't know, I like I'm for so long, I didn't have the like, emotional fluency, like I, I, I wasn't equipped to properly understand my own pain of these sort of uncomfortable, unspoken feelings that yeah, I it just it just seemed pettier or or or, or something, and I was up it, mm-hmm. like I was upset at myself even more. Like it mm-hmm. it, it just kind of mm-hmm. feeds into itself, and it and it kind of makes itself worse and worse and worse. That definitely like drove me sort of underground with my dermatillomania. It's just I, um, especially with my friends or like my family, the people who were closest to me, I was ashamed of them, <laughs> or, or like mm-hmm. I, I was ashamed of myself in front of them and I think that's maybe just so challenging with a BFRB um yeah mm-hmm. Allison I don't know um you, you know you talked about how your BFRB affected your quality of life I don't know if you, mm-hmm. you had a specific example or um <laughs> I think yeah. in, our, in our pre-chat you you mentioned one time um you had a story about not going to a wedding Yes, I've actually lost friendships over it, unfortunately. Um, I remember um, not going to a friend's wedding because uh, my skin was so bad. It was like the night before I was just so stressed about, you know, this upcoming event. And again, like you sort of mentioned the perception of others, it seems like it's, you know, vanity and like, well, who cares if you, you know, have marked up your face and who cares if you have what looks like acne or blemishes or wounds Mm. like you know who cares about that but when you're dealing with it when you're living it it's yeah it's so debilitating you know it it used to be that events like weddings or just even get-togethers with people dating was super hard that was absolutely a trigger for skin picking and my face and you know I I would say initiate like going on a date and feel like oh I got this like I'm doing okay with my skin right now you know my BFRB is under control and you know, I probably wouldn't go more than a couple of days without picking at my face. So that was considered success for me at the time. But mm. yeah, these these upcoming events were such a trigger. And it was awful because I think of all the time that I'd spent in front of the mirror, you know, tr- striving for perfection when really I've just had to like change that whole like for years, I always thought I know you've talked about this a bit on some of the other podcasts, but I always believed I just need to get rid of it. I just need to stop altogether, like all or nothing. Like I cannot pick anymore. Like, and I would be so frustrated with myself, even if I just picked a small part of my 
skin, you know, um, like even if it was a blemish that was there, not like a perceived one, but if I, if I picked at it, it's just like, I've had to retrain my, my brain to be like, you know what, it's, it's okay to have just have picked. There's no benefit of all or nothing thinking. Like mm. I need to know that, like, not to be so hard on myself and, I'm kind of digressing off of this is kind of the OCD too. I, I do really digress <laughs> off of what I'm talking about. But yeah, um, I guess to sum up, um, it's really uh it affected my life for a good 15 years, 20 yeah. years probably before I figured out how to manage it. And I think a huge part of how I'm managing it well now, because I'm I'm actually really proud of myself with where I'm managing it, is knowing that you know, I allow myself to like pick at my skin and say, okay, like, you know, I have this urge and I'm going to follow through with it, but I'm not going to beat myself up. I'm not going to feel guilty or shameful after this is just something I didn't ask for, but I'm dealing Mm. with it and it doesn't change anything. It makes it so much worse if I do have all those feelings of the negativity, Mm. the shame, the guilt, the embarrassment. So I think almost giving my myself permission to like, you know, analyze my skin in the mirror and and, you know, maybe pick for five or 10 minutes and then be like, mm. okay, you know, today was a better day because I stopped. I have this awareness. Whereas before it was just this all or nothing, like, you know, I've started mm. picking and, oh my gosh, like I have this big mess on my forehead now. And like, oh, well, because the next three or four days it's going to be healing, you know, maybe I'll fix this spot on my chin mm. and like my neck. And I think, oh, I'm just, I'm fixing everything. So I'll have perfect skin. Mm. And it was this really weird mental, um, yeah, it's just the way my, my brain worked. And I would be lost in the mirror for hours, you know, and at the time I lived on my own. Um, I lived on my own for about 10 years. And I yeah, it's, it's it was very lonely. It was very hard. Um, like I said, I tried to Google things, couldn't find much help. Mm-hmm. The one book I found was on body dysmorphic disorder. And I think there's maybe two pages about skin picking that, you know, were somewhat what I was going through. But yeah, at the time, there was just no resources Mm. um i'm so grateful for you guys because i think like wow we live in this time now where people are um, being open about mental health like so many people have mental health illness and it just needs to be shared we need to be vulnerable with each other life is too short too like we need to support each other and um, if I had the sounding board, you know, or if I had a, I've just, I've been listening to you guys for the last couple of days because oh I just want to binge all of the episodes. <laughs> I only, I only found out about you not that long ago, but I thought, wow, if I had this 10 or 15 years ago, I would feel like so supported. So yeah, so thank you for all that you do because it's extremely vulnerable. I know Jason, mm. you, you moved out of a very, a good career to start this podcast and like you took a huge you know leap of faith I don't know what you want to call it but (laughs) both of you like both of you have dedicated your time to this and I just want to say how grateful I am for you and I can probably speak to everybody from the BFRB community Mm. it makes me emotional just having that support you guys are incredible (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much I really I've been reflecting on this quite a bit recently and I do feel very grateful for the context in which we are operating because I I think like you said that we're at a time where more and more mental health conversations are happening and I think I mean we're doing our part but there's so many people that are contributing to this shift that Mm -hmm. it's 
I mean, it's transformative. I think um, a couple of weeks ago, I had some really hard days. I had to kind of stop everything I was doing because I couldn't focus on school anymore. I think the stress, the anxiety, everything caught up to me. I was able to reach out to quite a few people in my class and say, look, this is happening. I might be away for a few days. This is what's going on. And every single person was so supportive and was so understanding and could express how in their own way they relate to what I'm going through. And Mm. to me, that's, I mean, it's one thing to reach out, but it's another thing to have everyone respond in that way. Because I mean, I don't know, one of I guess one of my biggest fears, at least when I was first starting to talk about mental health was, okay, I reach out to someone and, and they judge me for that. And they criticize me for my weakness or what, mm-hmm. however they interpret the situation. So mm-hmm. it's just a really, I think it's a really good time <laughs> to be, to be doing, to be doing this, to have you here. And yeah, it makes me really happy. <laughs> oh, thank you for sharing that. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad to hear there's more support, you know, like you said, when you you, you can be open with people and be like, look, I need a mental health break. Or I know for me, sometimes I take like a social media break, you know, because I think deep down, we all, we can relate to that. A lot of us probably still quite can't admit it, but yeah, it just helps everybody when we're vulnerable with each other. So. Mm. Um, and sort of on that theme, I mean, Allison, you, you, you sort of mentioned kind of your OCD or your perfectionism, thinking about like, you know, the stigma associated with, with mental health. But uh, I mean, something you mentioned was how, you know, you, you see yourself as a high achiever. Like what, what is the relationship between say your your perfectionism and kind of the the quality of work that you expect from yourself. Yeah, you know, it's it's crazy like I said I'm 42 and I'm only just realizing that link of perfectionism to probably well, definitely the skin picking, um the obsession with having um no blemishes, clear skin. And for me, even with my art, so art started as a very therapeutic process for me, and I still use it as a therapeutic process. I love it. I absolutely love creating. But, you know, in the last couple of years, I went from art sort of as a hobby, as an outlet, as therapy to it's become a business. And mm-hmm. I'm so, so happy that it's like a business and it's become successful. But there's also, I, I see that every day I look at my productivity. Well, how, you know, how many paintings did I complete today? Cause I, I paint every day and I'm a people pleaser. So it's like, okay, well, you know, I know this person really, um, you know, they're looking for this size of a piece and can I do that? And at the end of the day, I lay in bed and I'm like, how productive was I today? And I mm-hmm. think I look at my self-worth based on my productivity and mm-hmm. I'll never, ever match up to what that is. It's never going to be good enough because, you know, um, it's hard to explain. But yeah, definitely. And I think from outsider's perspective, it's like, oh, wow, that's amazing. Like, you know, I can't believe you can complete like several paintings in a day or do this Mm. or sell your work online. And like, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. But it's like they don't know the inner turmoil that every time I sit down to paint, I have to say, I'm painting for myself. You know, this isn't about what I think people will buy or what they want. The reason I'm doing this is for myself. So again, that's that self-compassion that I know you've talked about in some of your podcasts. And I I feel like if I do truly want to manage my BFRB and I really have to realize what I'm doing with my day and my time, it it needs to, I need to have some self-care in there. And art has been self-care. And as soon as I see I'm crossing the line into it being 
pressured or too much of a business or productivity. I need to chat with my husband. I need to like check in with myself. I need like, um, he's a really great sounding board because, you know, it, it's not going to benefit every anybody if I, if I put that pressure on. So, so yeah, I'm trying to find balance right now because, yeah. How can you, what is your red flag for when you've crossed the line from doing something for your passion and doing something for other people? <laughs> Is it just the BFRB or is there more? <laughs> That's a really good question. I feel like I'm at the red line today, actually. Um, you know, I feel like today I'm so glad I'm doing this podcast because this is for myself. It's me being accountable for a mental health issue I've had for years. I've hidden, I've had shame for, you know, and now I can proudly say, like, I want to help others. I want to share my story because even if it touches one other person, that makes me happy. So I know that right now I could have painted probably two paintings, <laughs> you know, um, and, but in the red flag is like, I definitely, the skin picking gets worse when I'm tired. So mm. the more productive I am and the more pressures, the more people pleasing, it's exhausting. And I also have a three and a half year old who's very busy and um, mm. a rescue dog who's just as high maintenance. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so for me, fatigue is a big trigger. It's huge. And I think Again, when I sit down to paint, like I truly deep down know whether I'm doing it for myself or not. And mm. there's days where at the end of the day, I'm like, I didn't paint for myself today. And it felt awful. And it mm. probably showed in the work. That's one reason I don't do commissions, because I'll never be able to meet the needs of what that person envisions in their head as the art they mm. want from me. I've just decided for myself, I can't paint that way. Mm. Um, it has to come from that like authentic deep place yeah and I, I think the thing with art it's um again if I can remind myself this is just for me you know just art journaling gratitude journaling just playing around not thinking I have to paint a painting that's the best kind of creator therapy I think anyone could do for themselves I never thought I'd have to remind myself that every day when I'm mm. creating mm. but it's given me confidence I guess that's um when one thing it's really given me is confidence maybe to even be on this podcast today is because I've, mm -hmm. I've you know found this love of art and it's given me confidence mm. to do other things yeah uh, I um that resonates with me so much uh, and I love um you know you you talked about creating art from like an authentic place and and from yourself and I, I guess my question for you is has it have you always been able to like access that um and i guess my question is i think for me for so long with my bfrb i was ashamed of myself i was ashamed mm -hmm. of maybe the person i was and i think there was this element of like disgust or like dislike i don't like the person that i am and if anything i was like shying away from myself i was trying to hide myself and i was definitely hiding myself from others but the result was i was hiding me from me um mm -hmm. when you're talking about like coming onto the podcast or like being able to access this like inner authenticity it it you know it builds that platform to have the confidence to move move other places but you know that was mm -hmm. a very difficult journey for me to to kind of come to that self-compassion and that authenticity mm -hmm. so yeah I don't know if if what 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 did that process of sort of accessing your inner self look like <laughs> yeah so uh, thanks for sharing that because I can really relate to that disgust and that shame and guilt and self-hatred and yeah all those negative 
feelings. You know, those years that I lived by myself at my condo, I had paint accessible. I had, Hmm. you know, art supplies. My parents had, you know, gifted me some for Christmas, whatever. And I actually, with the OCD component, I felt like I'd be wasting the paint if I played with it and experimented. And, you know, Mm -hmm. at the time, I probably never told anybody that either. Like, same with journaling. Like, I never liked my writing. And so if I was writing a thank you note to, say, my grandparents for a gift uh, that they'd given me, I would go through this whole stack of brand new writing paper because I couldn't get the date right. Like, I didn't Mm -hmm. like the writing. So I went through probably all my childhood, adolescence, even like young adult life with that, I don't want to waste supplies. I'm not worthy of using these supplies. Mm. I'm not going to create anything amazing. So at the time I started poetry and the poetry uh, I never thought I would talk about, but I'd written quite a bit. And it was always when I was in the darkest place that I would write poetry because I hate writing now. I just... For some reason, I find it maybe emotional, like I just don't know how to get it out. I'd rather talk Mm. or paint or create. But yeah, I went through this long time where I just felt like I didn't want to waste these supplies. And then if someone had just told me, you know what, they're going to dry up. Why are you just letting those paints sit there in the basement? Mm. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was, you know, definitely the pandemic, just before the pandemic, uh, going through some health issues, I just decided, you know what, I'm worth it. I'm going to start painting. I looked at a lot of YouTube videos about art journaling and gratitude journaling, and I realized I didn't have to write things except maybe like one word, one intention, like, so say today, my intention is like gratitude. You know, I just thought, okay, I'm just going to use some paint that I have on hand and put down a color. And then after that would dry, I would just write a word. And then, you know, there's so many inspiring videos where I'm like, I'm just going to create for myself. I'm just going to play with this new art pen I bought. I'm just going to. Mm. And then I think I got so addicted to the process of creating And I was accessing that part of my brain, like I got so much, you know, serotonin, dopamine, these positive hormones, Mm. it became such an outlet. And then I became to the point where I I have to paint every day now, like it's a way of life. And I feel like everybody is creative. But yeah, I I get there's so many barriers we have, like Jason, you had mentioned just not having that self love to like, make the time for yourself, maybe, Mm. or having a teacher that once told you, oh, you can't draw. Or like those voices in your head that, you know, you're not going to be good at art. You're, why are you doing this? It's a waste of time. And, and I would go through years where I, when I first started during the pandemic, I was painting every day and it was like my survival. Mm-hmm. And, and I would say to my husband some nights, I feel like I just wasted my, the last two hours. Like, this is all I've done. I've just like wasted it. And he's like, that's crazy. He's like, you're putting out art and color and beauty into the world and you're expressing mm-hmm. yourself. You're, he's like, was it relaxing for you? Like, I was like, yeah, it was. And he's like, well, that's amazing. Like, keep doing it. He's, he watches like sci-fi or like goes climbing. And he's like, <laughs> we each have our own thing. <laughs> we, we all have our own thing. But he's like, this is your thing. And he's like, just keep at it. And it, it's really nice having that support. Like, I'm really lucky I have that support from him. But anyway, yeah, it, it was a struggle to start painting, I guess, if I was to sum up what I'm saying. Um, but I, it's, it's, it's actually, as long as I can every day remind myself, this is for me, and mm. uh, I'm worth it, I'm worth these supplies, like, I'm gonna, I'll keep doing it, so. Mm. What is your preferred medium? Ah, that's such a good question. <laughs> um, I really love acrylic and watercolor. I love acrylic painting because, I mean, you can get a fairly, it's a cheap 
you can get a cheap set of acrylic paint. There's amazing paint pens too. Like I think it's less intimidating these days because you can just go buy an acrylic paint pen from Michaels and just play around and, Mm -hmm. and they dry so fast. So I, I love that. And I love the texture you get. And then watercolor is something I never thought I would get into. I hated that I couldn't control it because Mm. watercolor has a mind of its own. You put it down and it's all about like figuring out how to control it. Right. But I, I couldn't control it. And I got to the point where I would love watercolor because uh, I would just think, okay, what color am I just craving in this moment? And I would put down the color and then that would then lead me to my next step of like, I just really feel like doing this color and I wouldn't really care what it looked like. Mm. Um, I started making homemade spray inks from those Wilton food gels. And anyone, I don't know if you're bakers, but it's what uh, people who do baking put in their cupcake icing to, you know, make it a certain color. And it's basically food dyes. Mm. You can just buy a couple at Bulk Barn or Michael's and then you put a little bit in a spray bottle, add some warm water, shake it up. You have your own spray. (laughs) Cool. I I don't recommend selling the paintings that have those because it's not archival. (laughs) (laughs) I was was so into that. I set up this meetup group in Calgary just to connect with other people. And I made it this free group where I just teach the spray ink technique. And I would just bring all the spray Mm. inks and people would just get ink on the page and then it's sort of like when you look up at the clouds and you find things in the clouds I would just have them you know what do you what do you see in these colors and what patterns do you like and it was amazing because it was just this like way of seeing people let go and Mm. not care what it looked like and most people were quite happy with the end product because when they sat down, there was no way of knowing what those sprays would do. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, that's, that's so beautiful. And um, I, I, I've been like scribbling down notes and I'm, I'm worried <laughs> that this question I have is going to be like overbaked or I'm trying to like cover too many concepts. But, okay. um, you know, you, you talk about how... The, like how therapeutic the art is. And I, I definitely want to say to all our listeners, um, again, um, Allison's Instagram is art by Ali Mac and just, just check it out. Um, definitely the thing that hits me when I, when I look at your art is like the, the, the energy and the, I don't know, there's this like spontaneous, like vibrant, just bold energy. And, um, I love what you said there about the watercolors and how, you were you were intimidated by them because there is this lack of control, and as someone with a BFRB, you know, perfectionist tendencies, um, totally. control is like you know the name of the game. Um, so it's so beautiful that you've kind of like kind of embraced that challenge and almost I don't know if relinquish is the right word, but it's like harnessing this this medium, as you put it. So that. It's just really cool. And now getting to my, my question. So one one paint, one piece that I really loved is, I think it's part of your Brighter Days series, or I don't know how yeah. quite your naming you convention. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like the Brighter Days Ahead. And, you know, you talked about art, like with poetry, it was coming from a dark place and how how, how much negativity and self-disgust you had in there. But now your art is... I don't know. It's just so colorful and so like <laughs> joyful. Um, yes. Yeah. Like why is that kind of positivity important in, in your, yeah. in your work? Oh gosh. You've said so many things there. Um, well, I think, yeah, I need, 
it's funny. I feel like I paint what I need in my life. Mm. And I feel like I've come from such darkness. You know, I've come from a healthcare background as an RN, but I've been a patient probably. <laughs> I've, I've had my number of times I've been a patient on the other side of the bed versus being an RN and health challenges, you know, in addition to the BFRB. Yeah, I've, I've had those darker times, especially with a BFRB. I mean, we've all had those dark, dark times where you're mm. feeling like, you know, very hopeless, very helpless, especially when there, you know, for me, when there wasn't support, there wasn't Google available or um, recognition in uh, the medical field. So yeah, I feel like now I just, I feel like I paint because I want the experience of something that's been lacking in my life, maybe. Um, I know they say like, sometimes the brightest, lightest artwork can come out of the darkest times. And, you know, sometimes it's just, hey, I just feel like painting like fuchsia or turquoise. It's not that deep, right? But like, I think in general, if I truly am painting authentically for myself, which which I try to, it just comes out in these bright colors, the energy, the, I practice the art of the Japanese aesthetic called wabi-sabi, which is the art of imperfection, because I've had this perfectionistic tendency with my skin, with my face. And it's tied to myself worse. So I thought, well, you know, if I can just learn how to get out of my head, you know, art has become this meditation. Um, again, the art of imperfection, where if something happens, like, you know, if you make a mistake, you know, it's not a mistake. It's actually what we call a happy accident in art. Like, mm. you know, if I, there's been many times I've spilt like a whole bottle of fluid acrylic on something I'm working on. Um, but it's funny because now I'm like, that's okay. I can paint over it. I can turn it into something else. I don't care because I'm painting for myself. It's not a commission. <laughs> um, and I feel like everybody has this like creativity. They just need to unlock it. I truly feel that way because I could never draw. I was really not good in art classes. Um, I had no self-confidence with art and I don't know what happened. Like I feel, I know the pandemic was awful for so many people, but for some of us, it became amazing because I had the time to like lock into this creativity to use the art supplies mm. I had. And I was addicted to creating, but it was like the most positive addiction you could have mm. because again it was for myself and I'm just so grateful that it does resonate with other people and I think you know it's funny because the work that I know is truly authentic is the work probably that resonates the most with other people whereas mm. if I'm like oh I know that this you know my art poetry paintings are really good sellers me or my mountain paintings maybe I should try and paint something similar I get blocked because I can't mm. like it just it needs to be that authentic like and it, it took a long time to find my voice with art. You know, I took a course uh, in 2019 where you have to paint 100 paintings within a fairly short time period. And I'm talking like small paintings, like nine inch square. <laughs> but after you paint 100 paintings, I know for myself, I well exceeded 1,000, which was crazy. But it's because I was just addicted to the process. And Ooh. I loved it. And I was passionate. But I realized like anybody who puts in that time will find their voice you know, and, and again, they don't have to be finished paintings. It's just like, I'll have two pieces of paper. I work on two paintings at the same time. And one piece of paper, I'm trying to like, you know, 
create authentically a painting and the other piece of paper is to clean my brushes off. And then an hour later, I actually liked the painting better where I was cleaning off my brushes. And I'm like, whoa, like, look at all that energy. And like, hey, I love how the dioxine purple matched with the like quinacridone magenta. And like, I get like so excited because I'm like, who would have thought those colors would go together? And then it becomes Mm. the base of like, even just like writing a word like gratitude or like, you know, so it's so interesting. I feel like art is just taking on this new, it's just a new world. And I think anyone can, anyone is, you know, we're all artists. Mm. Um, And I just, yeah, I think through this podcast, I know I'm getting more into art because I get so excited, but art has definitely given me self-confidence and it's helped Mm. me find my voice. And I think in a strange way, it's absolutely helped me with my mental health. Um, my OCD, my anxiety, my BFRB, the skin picking, I wouldn't say, you know, it's something I can, you know, I know I'll never get rid of the skin picking, but I can manage it now. Because if I'm having a hard time, I'll just sit down and, you know, gratitude journal or art journal, and you can just buy a cheap notebook somewhere. I know people that have used the back of a cereal box, the cardboard, it's a really good base, you can just buy some cheap paints. So art is really accessible now. And yeah, I think anyone can be an artist. if you love it that i love can you repeat the the word for the art of imperfection the japanese yeah so it's a japanese aesthetic and it's called wabi-sabi so it's w-a-b-i dash s-a-b-i and i do try and remind myself i think fluid art like watercolor and fluid acrylics and yeah it just embraces well, all art really could embrace that imperfection is just trying, you know, it's it's okay to sit down and have an idea of, you know, something you want to paint or a color or, but just knowing that, like, it's actually more beautiful if it's asymmetric. It's more mm. beautiful if it's, like, authentic. It's more beautiful if it's just, again, that happy accident, like, that wabi-sabi, that art of imperfection, it will resonate mm. more with yourself as an artist, but also with other people, because it's almost, like, just more honest. Mm. I was wondering if you've noticed since you have started painting every day, um, whether you've noticed any changes in how you're perceiving other things. Um, mm-hmm. the, and the reason I ask that is because one thing that I've started doing more frequently is um, drawing an eye with uh, uneven eyelashes. I'm sort cool. of trying to teach my brain that this is okay. And maybe when I look at it, it feels uncomfortable because my eye is looking for the symmetry and for the evenness and that that's what I'm craving. And that's often why I end up pulling mm-hmm. my eyelashes out. Mm. Um, and I was wondering whether, yeah, this practice in your art is changing either how you look at your own face, your own skin, mm-hmm. or maybe it's more abstract in, in the world around you. Yeah, that's a really great question. Art has definitely given me a new appreciation for everything around me, my surroundings, you know, um, teaching my three and a half year old instead of like kind of help guiding him with art and art supplies and like not making a mess. I'm just like, go for it. Like, (laughs) that's what it's for. You need that. I'm a lot more flexible. I think I'm a better parent for it, for sure. And yeah, and with the skin picking, you're absolutely right. Like I, I used to have the fixation with again, flawless skin. With art too, I think the reason I, I never did touch those supplies and I let them dry up years ago, um, or I never did finish writing a thank you letter because my writing wasn't perfect. Now I see that, oh, you know what? Like if there's imperfections on my face, if I've picked at it, you know, deep down, like I know that, yeah, it probably 
probably I made it worse if I have, um, my husband's always laughing because like I check in with him sometimes if I have like, if I have the urge to pick and he's like, well, he's like, okay. He's like, I'm glad you're checking in with me, but do you think it's going to fix it? Or he's like, I don't really see anything. (laughs) Um, But it's changed my, um, I think the art of imperfection, it's changed my entire view of when I look in the mirror now is like, I'm like, Mm. I know I'm a beautiful person inside I know that as we age, we lose beauty in a different way where, I mean, our beauty changes. I know I don't judge anybody. I I actually feel like I relate better to people that if they do have an imperfection um, or if they're not perfect, I find, yeah, looking in the mirror now, I think I'm more forgiving and I have self-confidence to know like too, like, oh, you know what? Today wasn't a great day, but that's okay. Like I know I have the awareness now that I'm not going to beat myself up. I'm not going to feel guilty. I don't even feel like I have to hide it as much anymore. Um, mm. Yeah, so I don't know if I explained that very well. But I, it's too yeah. like on social media, I, I have so much more respect and admiration and get inspiration from people who come across as more authentic that don't use filters, that just like hop on and they could be sort of in their pajamas or like... <laughs> um, but just who are there because they're passionate and excited and want to be human and vulnerable instead of mm. like all these accounts that I'm like, whoa, like I wish I could look like that every day or like, you know, everything's mm. perfect. And mm. yeah, I realize, yes, yeah, society is, it's tricky right now with social media, right? And yeah. I just keep checking myself that I appreciate authenticity. Right. Mm. Uh, and I think what I what I heard in that response is like the kind of the the face that we're showing out to the world is like, you know, it's like that outcome, this this mm-hmm. outcome that we're, we're we're sort of perfecting and, you know, kind of maximizing. Whereas I, I think throughout kind of our chat today, you, you kept on bringing up this word of like process and like how you've become how you've fell in love, become addicted to this, to, mm-hmm. to the, the creative process. And, mm-hmm. you know, even, even before we, uh, we started recording, we, we were talking about breakfast and how, how, how consistent you are right. with, uh, with, you know, kind of with your eating, eating the habits and the, and the kefir, you know, like <laughs> yeah. you kind of have these anchors sort of yeah. within your life. And yes. so, I, you know, I, I, I'm curious to hear about, I don't know, the, 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 the creative process and how maybe that overlaps with the, the process of managing your BFRB. And if you have, mm-hmm. ah. you know, how, how you're baking that process into your life. <laughs> Um, and, and I guess maybe okay yeah. to tie this question in a bow, like becoming <laughs> less fixated on the the outcome of right managing your BFRB and more just the process of managing your BFRB. Yeah, your question at the beginning. I'm trying to think. I had something there. So I yeah, I love structure. I'm more likely to have the same breakfast every day. I think I I've actually. I've gained more social anxiety with the pandemic. I don't like to go out as much. The OCD has never been too much around germs. But when I was working as an RN, I I was working uh, in the children's cancer ward when I first started. And I did find that really hard because I took that whole hand washing. And um, I was so aware that if there's any germ that got into the ward, the kids would be sick. And so, yeah, like I... I'm kind of digressing, but yeah, I naturally crave structure. I crave routine to the point where I have to make myself go out and talk to my husband about, hey, I'm really feeling like I've been homebound and I'm not as social anymore and I just want to talk about it. And I feel like art is so, it's given me so much 
variety in my life because I think, okay, like today, you know, I've created, say, like I said, I paint a lot. Some days I finish five to 10 paintings. It's crazy. Like a lot of days in the pandemic, I created eight to 10 hours a day. So it gives me variety. It's like when I paint, I feel like it's an escape. It's like, I also think of art as an experience. So a lot of people are like, oh, like, I don't know how you can just like give away so many of your paintings or like, how do you let that one go? Because that one took you over a year. And for me, I realize art is an experience. So I'm experiencing the art as I create it, but I don't have any attachment to it, which is really it's atypical because I think I'm someone that holds on to things like, yeah, mm. that experience is something I want to pass on to somebody thinking, well, if it helps them, if it helps them to walk by it and think, oh, that, that gives me some joy looking at the color. Or, you know, if I said in the painting, hold on to hope or there are brighter days ahead. If I know that that sentence is going to resonate with someone at the time, it really resonated with me. Like there's so many words that I've put in my art that at the time I'm like, this is what I need to hear. Like in the pandemic, I need to hold on to hope. The BFRB with compulsive skin picking, I think, okay, there are brighter days ahead. And I know this is a hard day, but for me, I'm going to write these words on this colorful background. And I'm going to, sometimes I would hang it up or I'd look at it at the fireplace. Like <laughs> my husband, and I would be watching TV at night. And he's like, I can tell you're looking at your painting. I'm like, yeah, I'm, <laughs> You know, I can tell if it's complete or, you know, I just need to look at it for a while. That was how I started painting. Um, But it's like I experience it and then I can just give it away the next day because that experience, it's like meditative for me. It's the art of being present. It's like I lose myself in the painting where I'm not thinking about what I had for breakfast. I'm not thinking about what I want to happen tomorrow or a week. You know, it's just like what color, what marks can I put down? on the canvas or the paper right now in this moment. And, you know, I've never been one to do meditation very well. I've never been, you know, I've taken a lot of yoga classes, but my head is always in a different place. Mm. And as hard as I try, I'm just not there. At night, I ruminate a lot. I ruminate about animal causes. I replay images in my head. I hate nighttime. It's when I take off my makeup and I'm thinking about what my skin looks like. Um, Mm. My husband actually changed the lighting in our bathroom. So he's made it comical. I have like pink and red and all these different colors sometimes. (laughs) But it's just so I can't actually see any imperfections. And uh, I'm kind of digressing again. Maybe you can bring me back. These are all all part of, to me, it sounds like these are all small parts of the process of managing your BFRB. I think that's what ties them together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think like just as a general statement, like I just, I want so badly for everybody to have affordable art. I want everybody to know they're creative, whether it's like gardening or cooking or like doing a podcast. Like you have to have the art of conversation, like Jason and Adele. You, I feel like I'm talking the whole way through here, but <laughs> you two have, you, you, you know, the art of a conversation and it's amazing. Like that's an art form. That's an experience for you, but also mostly for your viewers and I think that's so special and we all have that. It's just we need to tap into it and turn off those negative voices that with BFRBs we get all the time, all the time. Mm. You know, like, well, you know, why did I do that? Or I'm better than that. Or like, you know, why can't I stop this? Yeah. So I just, I, I, I hope for everybody that they can find what I have found because I feel so lucky to be doing art right now. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, do either of you feel like you have 
the equivalent like of a passion again I feel like the art of your conversation is amazing but you're both you have very busy lifestyles I know Adele you're still doing school um, yes like, I'll I'd, let you speak to that I'd like to say that programming has become my meditation but not yet uh, maybe one day or maybe in some sort of applications um, because my degree involves learning programming which is totally new in some ways has helped me shift my thinking because um, I remember explaining to Jason when I first started the degree, I would have all these negative uh, thoughts that would be repeating over and over in my head as I was trying to solve a problem using Python, which is this new, it's a new language. Like it's hard to learn a new language. And I would, yeah, find myself sitting there and making zero progress because my brain was just going in circles. And I'm, I'm really happy because over time I had to work with myself to be able to put that voice aside in order to actually learn something because I was realizing I was getting in my own way. And I was, you know, if someone I knew was trying to learn Python and trying to solve a problem, I wouldn't be going back to them over and over again. Like, wow, you still don't know what you're doing while wow, you're, you're not as good as everyone else in the class. You're not, you know, like I, I tried to reframe what I was doing to myself mm -hmm. challenge it. And so I do feel like I can now I'm in problem solving mode and my focus is entirely on the problem itself. And there's something a little bit thrilling about that, especially when, I mean, when it works. <laughs> um, but I think, so that's a work in progress. I think the, the, that's amazing. the aspect of uh, my life that is most meditative is uh, my practice in capoeira, which is a Brazilian martial art. And wow. there's this, we, so we play, we don't really fight, we play and we play with a, a partner and there's music and everyone's in a circle around us. And it's kind of like an improvisation of dance and, and martial art. And there's days when I go in and I play in, in the hoda, which means the circle, and I completely forget everything else. And I'm wow. so entirely in that moment. And it's an exchange, right? It's all about yeah, noticing what the other person's doing and responding and that feeling of flow. Oh my gosh. I, when I leave the circle, I, I have goosebumps and I feel like, I don't know, I've been somewhere else. <laughs> so I think that's the closest sort of experience I have to what you've been describing of. Wow. That's I'm amazing. Just, yeah. And I wish, I wish I could do it every day. Like <laughs> sometimes I tell myself, wow, if I just quit school and just did capoeira <laughs> eight hours a day, like, yeah, I mean, some people become teachers, but I yeah. just have not decided on that yet. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I need to look up. I, I don't even know how to spell that, to be honest. I would need oh, to yeah. learn um, how to spell it and then look it up. <laughs> it sounds amazing. If anyone's interested, it's C-A-P-O-E-I-R-A. -E cool. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I hope uh, I said that right. What about you, Jason? <laughs> um, Allison, I, I love you know, you described art as an experience. And I think, yeah, when I, when I think uh, as hearing, you know, Allison, you describe art and Adele hearing you describe your capoeira, like, I, I feel like my experience that I most closely resembles that is just talking to people and mm -hmm. especially like, you know, strangers, like new people for the first time. And there's this sort of like this limitless 
I don't know if it's a canvas, but you know, you're just so, <laughs> yeah. so in the flow and you're so caught up and you know, you're kind of, yeah, I think there's this creation element of like, what is it? What, where is this conversation building towards what, you know, what are we discovering? And I, 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 I try to latch on to that, um, to that experience. You know, it's, it's very much kind of being in that, that creative flow of so many ideas swirling around and what is it that I want to say in, in this space. And I think, you know, it's, it's funny for something that I, I love so much and I'm, I am like, you know, trying to chase it down all the time. It's also like the places where I get my biggest bouts of anxiety, like, you know, mm -hmm. at nighttime, also my mm -hmm. weakest moment. Those are the things that I'm replaying the most. Like, mm -hmm. oh, shoot, like, why did I ask that question? Or what, what was I thinking mm -hmm. there? Or, you know, anticipating, oh, we're gonna, you know, maybe last night, oh, we're gonna talk about talk to Allison tomorrow. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm worried about this question. Or what He's if gonna talk about flat? Kapir. <laughs> <laughs> totally, like, outside of the conversation space, I'm still like, overthinking these things so it's mm -hmm. you know it's a blessing and a curse it's uh, I, I I love it but there's anxiety associated with mm -hmm. it and yeah I'm definitely like picking my skin like kind of mm -hmm. ruminating on on these things and I, I think that leads me to a question of you know you mentioned how there, there were these moments during the pandemic you're painting five ten hours a day I don't mm -hmm. know if, is there an element of like setting boundaries with yourself? Like mm -hmm. I think something I struggle with is I get ahead of myself and I get so mm -hmm. excited and I want to talk mm -hmm. to so many people, but that's right. not healthy for me. <laughs> like, you know, right. there is a therapeutic element of having conversations, meeting with people, but mm -hmm. even too much of that is also bad and I burn myself out. So mm -hmm. I, I don't know if you've ever had that experience with art. Absolutely. Actually, there's a few things that really resonated with me with what you said. So right now, part of what's going through my brain is, oh my gosh, I've spent this whole podcast talking about myself. And my my great grandmother always said, you don't learn anything by talking. Like, only good listeners learn stuff. Like, she's always taught me to be a good listener. And I feel like, oh my gosh, I'm already like almost having that like, judgment of myself because I'm like mm. I've been talking so much about myself and it's it started to kind of take over where I'm listening to what you're saying but I'm like ah I need to get rid of this thought because um, mm. part of my OCD um, it was really hard especially when I was dating um, if I was going on dates or like meeting new people or even now with social anxiety I replay conversations and I think how could I have I have had that conversation better how was I sensitive to the other person was I a good listener did I talk too much about myself how did I make them feel like when they said this I'm actually thinking maybe I should have said this and I mean it's driven mm -hmm. my husband crazy <laughs> um, <laughs> my, my husband actually is uh, he reads lips and he, he's amazing because he works in healthcare and has had to do lip reading his entire job with people with masks and thick mm. accents and that's a whole nother thing but like our communication we already um we don't do sign language because he he has done better with lip reading just based on his history of being born deaf and sort of where he's at in his journey mm. but like our communication we have so many total miscommunications and I think number one it's because we're not signing and in the pandemic we might be out somewhere with masks on and we'll think oh, we understand wow. each other 
But then we get home and I'm like, oh, is that what you're talking about? I thought we were talking about this. But then me, I replay the conversation naturally. So if we talk about it, I'm like, sometimes I'll get frustrated with him. And he's like, he's like, you're, you're totally way off base. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's part of me. I don't know how that ties in with the BFRB, but it's like, um, OCD, like, yeah, I feel like from a umbrella of mental health, it's so challenging, right? Cause we, a lot of us have comorbidities, uh, mm. with anxiety, depression, OCD. Um, mm-hmm. so it's tricky, but yeah, to go back to answer your question, um, I don't know how I was thinking. I know at one point in a podcast, you mentioned using Excel spreadsheets and like, that's how you... Yeah, like, and and I totally, uh, I get that. Adele, you'd mentioned using color or color coding at one point. Like, do you, are you into color? Do I remember hearing that? I actually, <laughs> I, I was that? thinking this morning, I am into color. Actually, my new friends at my new school, they all identify me as like the the most colorfully de- dressed all the time and they just kind of make well they joke about it they don't make fun of me it's very kind but I um I can't remember what I was gonna say <laughs> I think okay. oh um no I, what I was thinking of earlier today was when Jason and I first met up I had this idea that if we were creating a BFRB group that it should involve some kind of crafting or art or do you remember that Jason? It was just Sorry. like, no, <laughs> I, I, I came Let into it and I was like, Oh, cause I was really into knitting at the time. And I was mm. like, Oh, I feel like doing some kind of craft would be good. Cause it's like cool. manual. And then it just never happened. Like, I don't know. So anyways, I like art. Okay. Um, cool. Well, yeah. yeah. Sign me up if you ever decide to do that <laughs> creative craft group. <laughs> we might need a um, leader. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, but Jason, yeah, now I'm, I'm sorry. I remember I, yeah, balancing passion with almost like obsession, mm. uh, like too much of a good thing, mm-hmm. right? Because I was painting eight to 10 hours a day. Like I have a toddler and, you know, while he was, I'm really lucky that he was going to a day home right across the street and it just opened prior to the pandemic so I was so lucky I had this child care and I literally could hear him outside playing when it was like you know they're outside for lunch and it was like just like oh I'm so grateful I have all this time and so I would like pack in my days with like art Mm. there wasn't a lot of balance and you know even when I would pick him up after school I still had in my mind like oh this desire to create and I'd be like kind of trying to multitask like going through art books or like you know and I'll admittedly be on my phone too much and yeah I really had to like keep checking with myself to be like you know I'm thinking about art when I wake up in the morning all day I'm doing it and yeah and is it really good for me to be doing it this much mm. so I, just like I sit down to art and I have to say am I doing this for myself Um, I think every day I have to say like to myself, you know, my self-worth is not my productivity. Um, Mm -hmm. How am I balancing my family life and my responsibilities with my art right now? Because because lately it has been creeping in too much and I'm I'm actually going to dial back some of it, you know, especially the social media. It's a lot to keep Mm -hmm. up with. Mm -hmm. Um, Christmas is a busy time as, as an artist because there's often a lot going on with shows and holiday stuff. But yeah, I've just decided in the last week, like I'm backing off quite a bit and it's hard, but I know it will benefit me when I get back to it. It's just like, you know, it's like it changes with the seasons and that's okay. Like in the pandemic, it was okay. I had all this time and I think I still was a good mom. If I wasn't doing the art, I probably would have been a nutcase. 
<laughs> mm. um, but now I, I'm feeling now I need to make a change. Like I need to sit down and maybe go back to art journaling. I need to exercise more like ergonomically yeah. when you're painting that much and whether it's on an easel or like hunched over doing fine work, either way, mm. it's ergonomically terrible. Mm. And I'm like, wow, like this passion, I need to keep in check because it's affecting, you know, I don't have that balance with exercise. You know, I tell my husband if I could learn how to cook as, as well as I could like, uh, learn new art techniques. <laughs> like we, maybe you can have like an movement, yes. <laughs> like a big canvas, and then you get your exercise. Totally, yeah, totally. That's a really good point. <laughs> <Body art. laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, big murals, right? Like, yeah, might in on it. <laughs> no. um, but yeah, it's it's funny because yeah, balance is really tricky, and I think with the BFRB and particularly with OCD, when you have like I, I replay images and thoughts, things can be very repetitive. When I sort of correct one behavior, it doesn't like go away. And it mm. just like can be replaced by another behavior. Like say, this is just an example, not from me, but it's like, you know, someone who is obsessed with exercise or something, or maybe, I don't know, different obsessions, like hand-washing, whatever. And then you, you work so hard to correct that behavior ultimately you find a way to still meet that need just because you're human and the brain will find a way to like Mm -hmm. get that same gratification from something else so yeah I feel like you know art has given me so much but I have to keep it in check Mm. Mm. yeah that's that's amazing um I I hate to sort of I don't feel like we have to wrap up this conversation because I my my notepad has like seventeen <laughs> more questions. Oh my gosh. Um, but I I think maybe I don't know, Allison. If if you could summarize, if you have like maybe a piece of advice or some kind of yeah, uh, an ending note to 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 leave our listeners with. I don't know if if you have yeah. something. I would just say that there's so much support out there now. Um, it's amazing. So just, yeah, continue to access resources and uh, know that you're not alone. There's so, there's so many people out there with BFRBs and there's so much good research going on and there will be so much research in the long run. And so just to hold on to that hope, like there are brighter days ahead. I think for me, like art is what keeps me present in the moment. And if, Mm. if if you can find whatever it is to keep you present, just trying to figure out what that is just to keep you uh, grounded. It's really important. Mm, Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Thank you for being here. Yeah. Not only are there so many good resources, there's so much good art out there. So again, check out Allison's Instagram. That's art by Ali Mac. And you can also reach our Instagram, which is at fidget podcast. We'll put the link to Allison's website in the show notes so that you can check it out. And we'd like to thank Cheyenne for our beautiful logo, another great artist out there. Um, And Thomas for our theme song. And we also, Jason, are we announcing our first Patreon? Oh yeah. (laughs) We want to thank (laughs) We want to thank our Patreon supporters. Um, So yeah, you want to support the show. um, You can visit our Patreon to do that. Otherwise you can leave us a review on Apple iTunes. I hear that it's very useful. It is. <laughs> <laughs>
helps us reach more people. Maybe more people who could benefit from these conversations. So thank you for that. Thank you. All right. But until next time, stay, stay tuned. tuned. <laughs> <laughs> Drink a beer.